Welcome to the Feral Minds Podcast. You are right where you need to be, and we are glad you're here. Come seek with us as we laugh at what we have known and find direction from what our curiosities demand we learn. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to Thoughtline Reflections. This is a very special episode because it's our first one with the Thoughtline. And we'd like to start off here explaining the Thoughtline a little bit. When we first had the idea, we wanted to have it as like a third member, maybe an outlet, if you will, for additional content to come in from listeners, interested people we meet on the street, just any sort of external source that can bring new feral thoughts. You know, it's fun for you and I. We could sit here and bounce ours back and forth off each other. But I think from the beginning, we've always known that there is an audience of listeners out there that we hope to share with and get experiences and reflections going back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. But the idea is, one, to help us keep material fresh, two, to help people. And three, I think when when you are bringing topics uh, to your listeners, you have the ability to miss perspectives and to look over things that you should have explained. And then you also have the chance to cater uh, your content to your listener, which is the individual that we're trying to help. So the thought line for us is it's a natural extension of this show because our goal is to help people. And our goal is to, to, to engage the listener in the show in any way we can. And so today being our first thought line episode, it's an exciting moment because now we're really engaging with the audience in a way we haven't before. And getting to answer the questions that I do keep getting asked. Um, in particular, the thing you'll get right when you tell someone, hey, I've started off on a new podcast. What's your podcast about? I don't know. And your answer had, is? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever had to field that one? It's been a tough one. Uh, I, I, I think some people can listen, heck, even be active participants on our podcast the whole time and not have the same answer to that question. But I, I, I've put enough thought into it. I think this morning I, I, I knew at this point we were going to have to have some summation to finally answer this. And I, I feel it's uh, putting an entertaining spin on life experience and the change it brings. Now, that does sound philosophical. <laughs> it sounds like a, a self-helpertainment That's uh, what it's supposed to sound like. That's what it's, we're shooting yeah, for. And, and I almost find myself at times, I think we're – the formal term now is experiential philosophers. I think we're gritty philosophers. I also think one thing that, that everybody, the feedback I get from the show, is we have a tendency to go very deep into the emotional spectrum of these topics. And I don't know how comfortable that is for some of the males. But for you and I, it's just kind of how we talk. Whether or not we were podcasting or at the gym the conversation is going to be pretty pretty similar. There's only so much small talk you can do with someone. It, At some I, point, it turns to big talk. In our opinions, I think we're we're something like Jacques Cousteau's for the human soul. We we want to go sixteen thousand leagues deep and try to understand some of the commonality we have, and also try to understand why we've done some of the things we've done in our life. And I, I don't think you get there by talking about college football all the time. Sometimes you have to go a little deeper. And I think you and I are built for those conversations. We enjoy them. We don't, I don't, I'll say for myself, 
as I look back on these episodes that we put out there, I don't feel like I've been vulnerable or open. I just feel like I've told stories about my life. A lot of our listeners have given us the feedback that we're vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, I've heard you're so candid that it's yeah. just not normal to, to be that revealing. <laughs> I don't think we thought that was going to be the impact that we had, but I think we're also welcome to any p- impact that, that is received. Any impact that's helping people, vulnerability is not a big issue for you and I. I think we're both creatives, and creatives usually have a connection to their emotions, and we create from that space. And so I, I think that makes us kindred spirits with our emotional awareness. Whether we liked it or aware of it or not, I think part of this podcast is us discovering that our emotions for us are a bit of a playground. They're, they're where we try to understand how we are and why we are. And some of the behaviors that we enjoy and some that we don't, we try to, under, try to unearth some of those causes well, you behind those thoughts. Yeah, you almost have to because when you start hitting that why enough times, I, I think there's something that they used to say, you have to ask why five times at least to get to the real. It's but helpful. If you're trying to ask that why anybody does anything on this planet, it's to feel a certain way. Our emotions are what it's all about. We're all driven by desires, and, and our thoughts move us towards those desires, and our emotions are somewhere in the middle. And you and I, are we're still learning. There's nothing in this that is a, a doctoral thesis. This is all just work that we're doing not only on ourselves, but through our coaching practices as well. We, you and I, are, we're maybe adapting the rhyme that we see in the human condition, observing it, learning what we've learned from others, learning what we've learned from ourselves. And I don't know how to describe the podcast. And, and to be honest, to a certain degree, I almost want to tell people, listen, you just listen to the podcast and you tell me what it's about. That or hit up the thought line. That yeah. help shape it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's, that's a little bit what, what's happened here. When as we as we've started it, and then you start engaging with people, you start hearing lessons they've learned. They want to hear more about lessons you've learned. I know one from from the first show that that has come up, and, and we've we've kicked around the idea of talking for a while. But right right from the beginning on uh, it's all placebo. There there was a a request. For, for elaboration on a particular inadequacy that was just briefly brought up. It, uh, it didn't get too much more emphasis because I think if you've heard from listening here, we do pretty well keep it to a G-rated show. We try. We try. And there were some PG, maybe PG-13 elements to this one. Some adult anatomy conversation. Yes. And, uh, it, it, and here it's one of the last things anybody wants to talk about. Yeah, myself included. You're a little more open to this conversation, but me, I'm still I'm taking big boy breaths to to even have this conversation, let alone record it and release it to the world. But but as, as I we're felt here to this, help, yeah, well, we're here to help. So we'll have a conversation. Well, and it's because what sparked me to to have the courage to start down the road was when we talk about lessons learned, and that's where some of my candid nature comes from. You know, sharing here on the mic is that I'm sharing where I've learned a lesson. And so if you've gone through a lesson learned and looking back on it with what you needed to get from it, all of a sudden what it took to get you there isn't so scary. You can accept it and realize part of the lesson. We, we go over that a little bit, and maybe it's all placebo. But in this particular instance, when it comes to such a personal, uh, a, such a taboo topic, of performance or inadequacy in, in the bedroom, that's one that people dance around. 
Yeah, and this, this topic is, um, we're talking about erectile dysfunction. And uh, we're going to affectionately refer to it here on out as Mr. Ed. And so when Mr. Ed comes to visit, and you and I have both had visits from Mr. Ed, and they weren't, there were no red carpets involved, Mr. Ed, he creeps in the back window when you aren't looking, when you least expect it, when you never want it. Nobody's ever inviting Mr. Ed to town. But um, as a human, you're going to go through areas and times when your anatomy doesn't work the way you want it to. And part of that's aging. Part of that is also your behavior. And is your behavior causing something that has invited Mr. Ed to town? I know I went through that exact aspect of it right there, which it it touches on one of the areas that I feel can be very helpful. But <laughs> Yeah, this is this one's tough to, to to go into, but whenever you whenever you start practicing this new ability you have as a youth, oftentimes you're just gonna be there by yourself. You yeah, don't really we learn we yeah. learn alone to begin with, for yeah. sure. If for the most part, firing off on this new <laughs> endeavor. You're, you're nobody probably, wants to talk about it. You're flying so your parents up. don't want to talk about it. Your friends can just make jokes about it. We, you and I, Everybody in our generation, like you don't know what he does. It. Oh. I, I went through a bunch of my life thinking that there was something that I was doing wrong if I was bringing pleasure to myself in that way. It's it's a largely undefined existence, and I didn't learn it from my parents. I, I learned from from magazines that that I found under friends' fathers under their beds in, in places where they were hiding. Whatever relationship they had. Oh, or did you ever find a movie or a video? Oh, <laughs> only if I was lucky. Yeah. I mean, but Dude, this I would is scour the, worst the way. earth. I would scour the earth for the content of what my body's capable of doing. And I, if I could watch other people do it, now I can learn. Yeah, but that's like, I mean, that's like trying to, to learn how to eat by watching the Nathan's Hot Dog All You Can Eat competition. Like, that's just not. not that, but the, the hot dogs are at least 700% larger than yours. <laughs> the hot dogs don't, they don't exist like that. Or I, they do whatever, but it's not something that's absolutely important. Yeah, all right. So it's let, easy let's to get hung up on what, that. What, when Mr. Ed has visited you. What have you learned? Okay, so going back to starting out, you know, from the very beginning, well, you learn how to take care of this on your own. Well, I've learned that if you get real good at that, <laughs> if you do succeed in bringing play, like, you know, if, if you take, take yourself out, <laughs> wherever your date might be, maybe you go out on a nice shower, perhaps. Or, you take yourself <laughs> out on a nice candlelit shower. Yeah. However you get to this point, you know, your goal is to get there. Yeah. And you're pretty good at it. It doesn't take very long. You get real efficient. Well, that efficiency is great when you're only concerned about yourself. But now when it comes time to perform in a different arena, there's another participant around. Efficiency is not your main goal anymore. Yeah. And there's a I, performance involved. We're not just now trying to release the demon. There's a performance involved. Yeah, and maybe if you've been practicing wind sprints, I mean, marathons just aren't the cards no, for you. they aren't. You, you, you have to honestly think from the standpoint that this is a muscle. It's going to get trained. Because that is inside. I understand I believe there's blood that goes on, but there's muscle that has to hold that in place. I don't even know the whole anatomy of it. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah, yeah. But I do know results from being able to establish a longevity – to the experience and sometimes whenever your experience is only happening alone <laughs> you can kill that longevity yeah or you can take that time to build it up 
it seems a little strange. But if you are alone, and this is where you're going to, you can practice longevity with yourself. You can run on a treadmill. Exactly. It may seem strange to sit there for half an hour in your own setting, but that is something I have found is the only way to train for distance. You don't learn to be a distance runner by running wind sprint. Okay, that's an interesting take. And I feel like early on, I, I, I struggle with that because it's come in and out of my life. You, a lot of people jump off and say, oh, 40s, 50s is where you start hitting. I struggled from the jump. It was, it was not a, you were, you a were good headspace. You were a two-minute hitter. <laughs> and feeling like there was something wrong with me about yeah, the deal. Yeah. And not understanding exactly what the he- to do to get away from that. Yeah, what, what did you do? What did you learn? I learned that you've got to practice. You've got to, you've got to sit there with yourself in an aroused state for long periods. And the only way you get to that point is by practicing that point. Okay. And so if you're always getting yourself to an aroused state and getting it over with real quick, you'll never you're get always, to it. Your muscle memory's there. Right. Yeah. And then you start having performance anxiety because you're not going forever, so okay. on and so forth. Right. That's, that's, that's what I got right out of the box. I'm yeah. telling you a lesson I learned from my teens and 20s. Yeah. <laughs> Here's my, my dance with Mr. Ed is always involve my physical fitness. And when I am overweight, Mr. Ed is much more likely to come knocking on that door. In fact, I had my longest challenge with that. I weighed about 260. I'm so I'm, right now I'm six foot 185 to 190, depending on you know, what I ate yesterday. I don't know if we give dimensions in the middle of an ED conversation. It seems like a dimensionally relevant conversation. <laughs> no, so I'm, size I'm, doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, wait a minute. How do we have size, it's functionality. length, and distance? It's functionality. These, these are all what. physics. <laughs> but my point is, when when I had a belly, when I had a belly, I could not get a lot of peace downstairs. I couldn't get peace upstairs because my peace wouldn't perform downstairs when I had the belly. Uh, when I lost the belly, it all seems to work again. Um, and and that, was, that, was, that was as simple as it was for me. Now, I never had a mental challenge with it. I had a physical challenge with it. And so when I lost the gut, the morning glory, as I like to call it, the morning glory came back. And as long as the morning glory is showing up, I I feel like I'm in a good place. I feel like the machine's running the way it should. So even now today, the morning glory is really my canary in the coal mine for my ability to perform, my ability to function. So if you're having challenges with there are a lot of reasons why Mr. Ed can crawl on your head. But if if your body is out of shape, that's a great place to start. And you know, how do you lose your gut? There's a million ways to lose your gut. But the one thing that has to happen for you to lose your gut is you have to get serious about losing your gut. All those things come downstream of you deciding, I am now going to get serious about my fitness. And when I get serious about my fitness, my performance in all areas is going to improve. But I think you touched on two things there where they overlap. And that's how the physical can lead to the mental. I I, I firmly believe when you're in those heats of passion that you must believe that other person wants to be there with you. You, you. you need to believe you're worthy of and enjoying this activity. You're creating a great experience. Yes. And whatever it takes to get you to that mental construct, that's, that's what's going to help. That confidence that comes from a good diet, from a good look, and good functioning body leads to the mental. 
that can give you the right state. Because as you, as I think we talked about before when we were hitting on this, not all the times Mr. Ed is a physical exit. There's the three pillars of health, if you will, I feel like it have to come together. Here we talked about how the physical and the mental. But there's a spiritual side of it as well. There's a lot of people who feel that their sexual desires are completely against any sort of moral spiritual code. And that can put a big block in as well. That's a, that's a sticky thing to run through. Even when you, whatever whatever religion you subscribe to, when you, it's a hard thing to understand what's appropriate. Yes, I bonded with a my spouse, and now we're not, we reproduced earlier. We're not reproducing anymore. So what, what, is, what is this now? And is this something that the creator would approve? This is, we're talking about the novelty of, of human anatomy. And I, I think that's, that's an interesting topic because there is, there's a lot of stigma that gets plugged into your head about when you should, how you should, and whether or not the creator approves of it. And I think those things can also trip you up. I don't have experience with that. All mine has been, if you want Mr. Ed to get up out of your life, lose your belly. <laughs> that's that's been my sole experience. Well, what I hear, you know, when we kind of touch on that 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 spiritual side, and you start talking about the reasons to do so, you know, I, I feel like there's a natural draw to to only be interested sexually in youthful aspects of a person or of a body, and I think you need to make sure that your your sexual evolution goes along with your physical growth. There are reasons for physical intimacy beyond reproduction. I think that would be you know, a little bit of what you're talking about the question there. Do people over the age of 60 even need to be participating here? <laughs> and I, I always have had intrigue in this from, from early on, to be quite honest, because for some reason I'd heard that the happiest people are those that still engage in sexual activity past the age of 65 or something like that. And I, I just kind of thought to myself that First off, you know, why would you want to? But the at, chemicals still work. Right? They, it they still do. feels good. You're still getting the endorphins. That, that I mean, there's a reward in the outcome, in in, in the moment uh, after. There's a reward in that that your body's providing you, that you feel good. And so it's hard to believe that your body would give you that feedback if your body wasn't designed to perform that activity. And to share it with another. Uh, you know, I, I feel like that's where the, the, the things have to line up so that you feel not only interested in your partner, but that you feel they have interest in you. And you, you, you could share the emotion. There needs to be a deeper connection that comes from this. You know, it, it, if you're only in the superficial aspect of it or only looking at it as something for reproduction because your spiritual aspects teach you that, there's a great um, analogy I've heard brought up that it, it, what if, because right now, like we're saying, in a lot of spiritual doctrines, they have some taboo towards sexual activity. The, the thought was that sexual activity is a natural body function. We do need to engage in this as human beings. This is how we reproduce. So what if we took that taboo stigma of a natural body function like we do towards sex and applied that towards using the bathroom? How terrible would this world be if everyone who needed to perform a natural body function like that was running around trying to hold it in because some deity up above deemed an, that wrong? It's an interesting take. 
It's a pretty easy one to come into, too, because, I mean, think about the smell and the off-puttedness of it. I mean, it doesn't seem like something we really want to be doing. Honestly, you would think you want to do this as little as possible. If anything gets a negative taboo from a religion, you figure it would be excrement release (laughs) and not sexual pleasure. But for some reason, we do like to beat ourselves up for enjoying ourselves. Yeah. Well, again, it's a topic that nobody – so when you think about just our evolution sexually – we're so confused by it because we never we never talk about it. Your parents don't want to talk to you about it. Ugh. Your friends, they don't have real conversations with you. As a male, it's just bravado stuff. You're just stoking ego. Look what I did. Look what I'm going to do. Look what I should do. Now, nobody has real conversation. I say nobody. I'm, I'm speaking generically. We allow people to develop their own religion around sex. and And when we do that, they have to walk through all those emotions from the get. And then so you find yourself almost as, as a 45 or 50-year-old 50 or 50 year going, okay, I kind of get this now. I understand it. But for me in my 20s and 30s, it was just biology. It was just this is what my body wants to do. So this is what my body wants to do, and this is what I've been socially driven to move towards. And so those are the things I'm doing. The, the idea that there's some spiritual connection here or that I'm even giving – the opportunity or somebody is giving me the opportunity to to feel these incredible endorphins and emotions and all the magic that comes around the activity, that's lost until you're mature enough to understand it or somebody gives you those thoughts to gnaw on and then you have the revelation that, oh, this is not, this isn't just like me jumping my bike off a curb and going, woo, I'm not here to get dirt bike emotions (laughs) out of my sexual partner. I'm here to engage in something that, that feeds both of us, both our souls, our spirits, our bodies. It's, it is that engagement or that dance that you have with another person. And it's, it's not going, woo-woo, look what I did. But it seems like you have to walk through the woo-woos to get to the point where you're mature enough right. to go, all right, this is really more about the connection between two rather than the performance of one. Exactly. You've got to look at it from that way. And and that growth that you just talked about, that you learn from the experience from the last 20 years, is what gives me hope that the next 20 years, that, that emotional, spiritual connection and maturity can come from it. But something else you talked about that I thought was, was pretty good, and it also leads a little bit in the next one, is how do, where do we learn this from our parents? And when do we? And that's that's a tough that's a tough one to go through because I was just thinking about how difficult it can be to even get simple ideas through to a child. Much less ones as complex as this. And, but I think that's a part of why we don't have the conversation because we don't know when they're mature enough and we don't want to have a conversation with a fourteen or fifteen year old that we now think we've enabled. And I think that's where parents get stuck. They think education is endorsement. And I think that's where we're getting stuck. So if I teach a 14 or 15-year-old, they're just going to want out. If I teach them how to ride the dirt bike, they're going to go, where the where the dirt hills? I want to go. It's time to go. Yeah. And so I think as a parent, you feel that pause because you, part of it is the awkwardness and you just don't want to navigate the conversation. The other thing is I don't think you want to bring a topic to a young mind that you feel they may act on now because you introduced them to a topic. Knowing we're learning about this at very young ages from kids on the back of the bus who have older siblings and they learned it from them. And so you're, 
ironically, you're, by the time you think it's time to have this conversation with your kid, you're battling known about it for years, and you're battling an age where they don't want to hear anything from you now. Yeah, that's that's true as well. And I think it's funny that we it, that we act like if we just say one thing, our kids all of a sudden going to take off. Because one of them that got brought up, this is this is another really good one. We'll get 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 off the topic there just for a smidge. Well, I, I, yeah, but just to summarize, Mister Red, I mean, it, it's I, I don't think if anybody's challenged with that right now. You, you, we've been through it, and you're not alone. And, and males are going to go; they're going to have a dance with Mr. Ed at some point in time in their life. And so, I, I think to summarize the tactics we've talked about, I've got one solution: lose your belly. If that doesn't work, what are your solutions? My solution is put yourself in the mental state that makes you feel loved, and that you're ready to give love. You got to be ready to give and receive. You got to feel worthy, and then you also got to be willing to give. And you also had another one in there, and, and, and it's if you find yourself being a sprinter, train for a marathon. And I, I, that's not, nothing I'd ever considered, but it makes, it makes logical sense with the rest of how our muscle and our mind connection works. You have to establish the endurance. You've got to build the endurance somewhere. So that's also an interesting tactic that I think somebody could try. So enough on Mr. Ed, man. Let's get Mr. Ed up out of here. I, I never wanted Mr. Ed in my life. Hopefully that conversation helps somebody. Yeah, I think so. It, or maybe even help us further. But that's what I was uh, going back into now is uh, one that came up uh, from one of our Feral Friday participants on uh, how to correct or change child's behavior, especially as it pertains to cleanliness. I mean, basically what I would say is overall the question, how, how do we put up with our kids being terrible roommates? What, that's that's an interesting take because they are boy they're crappy roommates man. If your kids were roommates, you'd be posting stuff up in the dorm halls looking for somebody else. Oh god, yeah. Just like you know whether it's the cleanliness, the stuff they leave out, the lights they leave on, the wet towels on the floor. What is it that is so epidemic about wet towels on the floor with with teenagers? That they- just seems like that's DNA programmed that they like to get mildew going on the floor through the wet towel. It's what brings that teenager's scent to life, I believe. Like, you know, I always wonder what a teen smelled like. Stanky towel. Well, there's well, there is. It's it's stanky towel usually mixed with something else. You know, some sort of feet, some sort of new body odor that mm. didn't exist last year. Yeah, but they all got deodorant, and, and they're discovering perfumes and colognes now, and they'll go they'll go haywire on that stuff, man. They'll fog out. There'll be roaches crawling out of their bedroom going like, I can't take this. This cherry wine, cucumber, melon. They got to – somebody get this out of this room. Yeah, there's a difference here, though. I, I'm dealing with just a son. And I've seen as an outsider looking in more how those little girls, when they fire off on the jump, yeah, that that perfume is explosive, like candy perfume. And the makeup. It, it looks like it's got glitter in it. Yeah, I, I don't even understand what draws them yeah. to that. It, There's a uh, so I, I have two teenage age uh, females in my life, my two daughters, and their bathroom is a scary place for me. I mean, there is you, you're talking about you got some extra paint late, and I, it's probably not paint, but it's how they paint themselves. You got paint on the countertop. You got a little bit of blue on a cabinet drawer. You got a yearbook on the mirror. You've got stuff scribbled in ink on the mirror. Like when I walk in there, I'm confused by what 
is going on? Is this like an inspirational vessel where they go in? Have we been attacked? Is this, yeah. We got graffitied and I, the place has been tossed. Are they running an auto body center <laughs> in the bathroom and I didn't even know about it? Are they airbrushing 69 Corvettes? Are they, are they spraying underbody? I don't know what they're doing, but it's a chaotic place. I, I can't imagine. Like If you look at what we're talking about, a bathroom and a, and a child's bedroom, and just normal life, like waking up, putting on clothes, hygiene, and walking out the door leaves it that disheveled mess. Yeah. What happens when they add a hobby or two on top of that? Oh. It starts spilling over into the garage. Next thing you know, you don't even feel like you really occupy your house. They'll they'll take over the whole thing and need their mark in every aspect. So here's the question. Here's the question. That nasty bathroom that that I coexist with, which I just what you inevitably do for me, I just don't go in there. I don't. I don't want to know what's going on in there. I don't know what. I, if this is their paint booth for the world, then so be it. Let them deal with it. But when I go in there, all I'm going to do is feel anger about it, and that's not going to solve or improve any part of the situation. So, I kind of leave my teenage daughter's bathroom as as the acceptance that that's something they're growing through, and it's necessary. I don't know why they need Bible quotes on the mirror. I don't know. I don't know why they need half the yearbook on the mirror. I don't know why they're spray painting themselves the way they do. I don't understand that. But it's something they need. It's something that's part of their development. So I I have learned to live and let live when it comes to to to, to the bathrooms of two female daughters. Man, I let let it live. I that's sage advice and this brings us right back to the point why we're doing this podcast. I wish that I had had you sitting in front of me telling me that same advice years ago with my child. When it pertains to where he puts his shoes, mm. for some reason, his goal in life is to put the last pair of shoes he wore in whatever walkway or doorway is going to be the most used right to that. He'll put them in the middle of the kitchen right in front of the refrigerator. Just kick off shoes and walk off. And you would think as a parent, I have the ability to correct this behavior. Yeah, you want to believe that. You do. You, you think that you have this sort of power. It's not, what are we doing here as parents? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, one of the things we're here to do as parents, and that's to learn to just accept, avoid, do whatever it takes to not find reasons to have conflict with your child. Yeah. Because I'll tell you right now, that shoe thing, it went, it's still going on today. This started from the time he started putting shoes on. What's the urgency to get the shoes off? I don't know. There's no other urgency that comes in a glaring fashion. It's random. At all different places, we got shoes dropping down in the kitchen, shoes in the bathroom, and shoes everywhere. Yeah, just wherever he's at when he decides to take them off. And I truly thought from an early age I'll be able to be able to, to, to parent this out, whatever that's going to be, <laughs> yeah. through creativity, through discipline, you through soft, fix it. something. And it got to me so bad. Like I had, I had a dream. I had oh, a dream goodness. about what was going to happen. And throughout the dream, he left them out, and I was going the punishment route in the dream. And the first one, I'm spanking. It happens again. The next one, I got to spank him twice. Happens again, I'm going to hit you with a bat. And finally, in the dream, we get to the point. I say, if this happens again, son, I got to kill you. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, I don't know where else punishment's going to go. Wow. wow. And You're and, having parent-side dreams, huh? I, and then he does it again, and... And, you know, you never do anything in a dream. You, you yeah. pop back out. But I, I woke up from that and just just start to realize, like, at some point, how far are you willing to go? Yeah. At some point, where will your acceptance kick in? 
at some point, when are you trying to parent something out of them that is just a flaw they need to have in their life? Well, you say it's a flaw. It's just it's the way he manages his shoes. A now, personality. It, it all yeah. It also has a downside to him because he never can't find his shoes. My guess is because they're they're no telling where he left them last. So there there is a little bit of life that eventually he'll probably learn through that. Uh, but as we're telling the story, man, and, and my wife, I'm glad she's not here because I leave my shoes everywhere, <laughs> and I'm 45 years old. So it may just be part of some of our makeup that you, you can't care about everything in uniform fashion. So like like with my 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 uh, daughter's bathroom, I, I know it exists, and I can go in there and I can get as mad about it as I want, but what good does that achieve? And I don't need – I have – other alternatives for indoor plumbing in my house that don't involve their existence. And so that's where I handle my indoor plumbing needs is away from theirs. And so theirs exists, but I know I was in there this morning, and I know when I'm in there I need to get out of there. And I know what whatever they're doing in that space, they need to be doing it. Um, they're going to learn from this. They're going to mature. You know, it's so challenging when you're that age to try to be – all these things simultaneously, as a parent, if we're just constantly – like they've already got pressure from the world, pressure from their hormones, you know, pressure from the boyfriend that didn't work out. All the, They've already got all these pressures on them. If we're just going to be another bleeding force that's pressing them down into the earth, then where do they go to get peace? Where do they we're, go to get trust? Yeah, so we, you've got as a parent – this is just what I've learned. you got to let some stuff go. you got to accept it. You don't have to have command and control of everything in their existence. And you really, the better role for you to play is, is a, a role with open arms. Somebody who's willing to help them. Now, I'm not saying you encourage kids to do detrimental behavior. What I'm saying is you're not going to control all their behavior. And then you need to gain perspective on what behavior you feel you need to inject yourself in. And what behavior they're going to naturally develop on their own. And, that, and that's the path I've chosen. And I've chosen that through a bathroom that looks like a Mako body center. And has all kinds of smells coming out of it. And God knows what else they're doing. But I know they're in there preparing themselves for the world. And I know that's important for their social conscience. I know it's important for their confidence. And so that bathroom can be whatever dumpster it needs to be. If it's helping them out, God willing, then uh, it's what they need. Yeah, I, I like what you're saying there. Pick your battles. And when you when you start doing that with some awareness, you start realizing you don't have to pick that many. Yeah. And you'd be surprised at what you'll allow your child to be and what they can learn and adapt to. We didn't even go into the food they leave out. We didn't go into the lights they leave on. We didn't go into the uh, – last week my wife ran over a bicycle that, that uh, one of my kids chose to leave right behind a vehicle. And so – you know, kids is kids are a dance, man. They they are literally a dance with chaos, and and they're also a dance with the the genetic chaos that you've created, and now you're molding into something, and you don't even gonna know what's gonna be for years. So smile, enjoy it. Yeah, and try to have as little control over it as possible. Yeah, you know, you're, we're not here to, to control the the movie of their life. We're here to watch it. Yeah, and it seems like the more we try to control stuff, the more anger we develop. And the more space we put between our relationships with them. And that's not what we want. We, we, we want them to come to us. The worst thing I think I could do as a parent is have my child afraid to come to me about anything. Yeah, over, over where my, my, my son decides to take his shoes off, I'm going to force him to go through life with, without yeah. engaging with I'm, the parent. Dude, imagine, imagine that, he had a horrible day at school and he needs to talk to you about something. 
but he he screwed up and put his shoes in the wrong spot. Mm-hmm. And you spent 10 minutes blowing steam all over him about his shoes. Now, is he going to talk to you? Or have you already set the mood that you're just another hostile element in his life? Those, those are the things that, that but, I think about sometimes before I go nuts on the condition of the house. But sometimes I can't control it either. So there is no perfection in parenting. Uh, I think there is just candor. In parenting, yeah, and I hope that by, by sharing here the like you know the shared experiences we've gone through that maybe it doesn't necessarily solve the bad roommate child problem for our Feral Friday participant, but at least helps you accept it by knowing that we're we all go through that with our kids. We all have to learn to pick battles, and uh, you'd be surprised. Don't 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 battle them all the time. See uh, what opens up when there's not a battlefield going all the uh, time. Yeah, you, and you can also you can also make a choice to not feel like a, a a failure as a parent, because sometimes you think like if my kids, if I was a better parent, then my kids would keep their stuff straight or whatever you're straining into with your with your child. You can allow yourself a little bit of grace as a parent as well, and say, I mean, life is nothing but choosing your battles. Just because I didn't create a kid that has white gloved his room at all times doesn't mean I'm a failure as a parent. It just means I'm allowing that personality to develop its own rhythm with life. And I don't need to tinker with every little bit of life that is coming through my children. They need to develop into their own person. So that's that's Yeah, it. so we've had the there yeah. there we've had a chance to go over a few thought line reflections. Now this next one though, they, we've taken a few different arenas and this one came out came out of left field a little bit on the thought line. It it stuck out to me a bunch as I as I heard the voice. That there there almost seemed to be some genuine fear here, and I haven't heard about this topic as much because I stay disconnected. But there's a concern that artificial intelligence is going to take over the world. Yeah, that was the that was the the question was: Are we concerned about whether or not AI is going to take over the planet? And I get. I, I don't know if he's listened to any other episodes, of the, but I'd love that they decide we, we have the expertise on, on artificial intelligence. Well, we have opinions, and I mean, you know, you might as well air them. Um, my take on AI is I'm, I'm hoping it fixes us. Like, I, I, for one, I don't believe anything is here that shouldn't be here. That doesn't mean man doesn't stumble at times. But if we fought the evolution of the car then you and I would still have taken horses into the studio today. And so, you know, this is technology, but now technology is slowly beginning to have some intellect in it. And it is moving at a rapid pace. But rather than fear that this is going to turn into a Will Smith movie, my optimism is that in our creation, AI is just part of the design. And maybe AI is the thing that helps us get over things like the, the never-ending wars that we have in our world. Maybe AI helps with the hunger problem that we can't seem to solve. Maybe the creator looks down and goes, I, I, I just, I, I've given them thousands of years to figure this out. And they won't stop fighting each other. And they won't fight, stop, stop, stop fighting each other over the ground that they stand on. And so they develop ground and they stand on that ground and then they tie a flag to it and then they get to business killing each other over it. Oftentimes, they kill each other over an argument about who I, the creator, am. And so as a creator, I'm just sick of it. I am sick of it, and I've given them thousands of years. And so now I'm going to help them a little bit. I'm going to send the AI, and the AI is going to fix it. The AI is going to correct some of that behavior. It's going to give them insight to who they are. 
and it's going to move them past this inability to get along that they can't seem to get through on their own. Can you imagine creating something that wouldn't stop fighting itself? Can you imagine that? I, I, I can't. It's, it's conflict, though. It's, it's wild how life needs conflict to develop. And I don't know how— When's, en- when's enough? We've been fighting each other for thousands of years over the ground we stand on. Well, when's it, enough? What I mean by life, and it's been going on, it's, it's not just the human condition. I, I've seen these nature shows every once in a while, and like plants fight with each other. It's something that life seems to benefit from. It's like whenever it fights against itself, it gets better at being life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know where AI fits into this, but I do love a little bit of your analogy there. Just because we got cars, we didn't stop learning how to walk. They made us a lot more efficient at walking and where we get to. So with any luck here, this could be just the mental thought idea that cars do. They can do some of the big, heavy lifting as far as thinking goes, and then we still are here to apply it on the material plane. I still, to answer the person's question, no. I don't think AI can take over. It can only benefit. Yeah, That's what happens. As you're saying, the creator, life, this whole force that is driving every single thing on the planet, it won't lose. It won't. And if you think about just the design of creation, we were created. We didn't overtake our creator. That's not in the cards. And, and so I, I think AI is it's, it's just another tech. It's, it's an in, incredibly robust search engine. I don't understand the inner workings, uh, but I think anytime you have a new technology that comes along in a world that's troubled, then I believe that we should hope that this technology can help us. And uh, I think if you if you look at things through the through an optimistic lens that there are outcomes that could solve some of the world's problems, and it's not just going to be this gigantic machine that steals you out of your bed and smokes you and your whole family. If we can move more towards what can this solve for us, take the fear out, and bring joy into the equation, and get excited about what AA can do. That that, that that's my stance. If if I'm wrong then what does it matter anyway? Then AI was going to take us out anyway. But to spend time worrying about it, it's from this world. It's meant to help this world. Uh, this world creates things that, that progress evolution. And that's what I believe AI is. It's just another step in evolution. Hopefully it fixes some of our problems. Trying to evolve a world that is always troubled. <laughs> Ever since the dawn of man, we've been trying to predict that we're about to end it all. It's funny if you'll, you know, there, there were people back in the 1850s, right before Manifest Destiny and all that, saying that, that we've already thought over there is to thought and said everything there is to say and we'll have no further creation. And, and that just has never been the case. We are not done. The world is not about to end. We will not be bad enough to kill ourselves over. And every single creation we have is just another reflection of what we are. And if we are healthy functioning human beings, then something like AI will come along and enhance that. Or if we want to look at it as the end of the world, I'd still believe we have that in our hands. We still are controllers of our, each our own individual destinies. It's fun. And you got to be the change you want to see in the world. It's fun. It's fun to think about how this is going to end. 
We've always been fascinated by how it's going to end. We love to sit in theaters and dark rooms and eat popcorn and watch creator ideas about how this all ends. We're fascinated by our own mortality. I, I think that that, whether or not we want to evolve or not, the, the option's not ours to choose. There's absolutely zero resistance that, that is going to be relevant. So you just move along in the evolutionary process that's in front of you. Everything is evolving and it always has been. And you have faith in the fact that the creator that put you here puts you here for a benefit and that everything around you in this world is working on your behalf. That's kind of a little bit of from it's all placebo. <laughs> well, if it's if we not, want to tie right back, you know, that's that's what, what what you're here to do. Have the right thoughts. Feel the way we want to feel about whatever it is we're engaging with, and that's what will come to manifest. Yeah, it's the the only way to think about anything that is new to this environment. It was needed change for some reason that you don't understand right now, but will understand down the road. There's no reason not to be optimistic about it, and and at the very least. Let's say it removes some of these low-end labor jobs that humankind has been toiling away for, for years, decades, centuries. If it can remove some of those functions and allow that human sentience now to go on to greater things, how do we not cheer that on? Yeah, that's, that's what we need to see. We, we need to look at our past, see how we've grown, and then project that continued growth and development into our future. Yeah. I think there was one really good line yet. So what was it? Laughing at the past... Oh, I think that's kind of what we do on this show, right? Yeah. We laugh at the past, specifically our past, and we smile with the future. So and laugh at what we've done, smile at what's to come. And that's the best way I can think of. Wrap it up right there. Bringing Absolutely. it back to where we started, what the show's about, and that's what we want to do. Help people love the past that's gotten to where they are and be excited about what is still to come. Yeah, and if you, if you guys and gals are enjoying this show, I would like y'all to know, just as creators, nothing warms our heart more than something coming in on the thought line. We love that. That lights our day up. It turns us into giggly 10-year-olds. So if you have a thought, bring it to us. If you've been hesitant, man, we're, we're here with open arms. We love it when a call comes in on the thought line. That's, that's in the bundle of reasons why we created this show. And so when you lean into it and you give us your opinion, your thought, your problem, we love it. It lights our day up. Even the AI call, like you said, out of the blue. AI, what do you and I know about anybody? I love that we had a new topic like that come in. The fact that we had an opportunity, because what did that mean? We, you and I had to talk about it. We had to think about it. We had to learn about it. And so the person that made the AI call, man, that, that was great. That was awesome. And, and we hope that how we addressed it, was not reflecting on on belittling your fear. It's just a reality. This is a fear that everybody's having right now. That everybody's afraid the machines are going to take over. So that's a great topic, and, and we appreciate that call. That's so, how we make this podcast for and by everybody. Yeah. Make us happy. Call the thought line. Tell us how we can help you. Even We would like to thank you for listening to the Feral Minds podcast. Hopefully we triggered some curiosity that will have you seeking more. Remember, your mind is meant to run. Slap some sneakers on that bad boy and take it around the block. If you'd like to connect with us or enlist our feral thoughts on a problem in your life, visit us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or at theferalminds.com. Also remember, our thought line is always available. 24-7, we don't even allow it to sleep. And we want to hear from you. 
That number is 866-340-3394. Again, that number is 866-340-3394. We look forward to hearing from you.